This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. Hi, welcome along to this podcast. And on this week's show on The Night Shift, we took an in-depth look at an album turning 50 years of age this year in 2023. It's a classic. Not only is the music classic, but also the album cover. I'm talking about The Dark Side of the Moon from Pink Floyd. And we had two big fans on the show to talk about this classic album. Do enjoy the podcast and join me live on the show. Weeknights 8 through 10 right here on Dubai Eye 103.8. You're listening to the UAE's number one talk radio station. This is The Night Shift with Mark Lloyd. On Dubai Eye 103.8. Yeah, welcome back into the show. Great to have you with us once again. And uh, I mentioned we were going to go to that great gig in the sky. And that is exactly the direction that we're heading. And it's great to welcome back into uh, my studio, Kel Jenkins, guitar player. Kel, who's as passionate about music as I am. Kel, great to see you again. Oh, it's wonderful to be back. Thank Both you Both had holidays, me. yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and we've got a dear friend of mine, first time on radio for him, so I'm really proud of Andy Woods. How are you doing, Andy? I'm doing good, thank you. Yeah, you've got your T-shirt on as well to, oh, to represent the band. <laughs> so, yeah, we're going to be looking at an album that turns 50 this year. We've done quite a series of these and, yeah. you know, some amazing stuff. We had uh, a band on the run from Paul McCartney and Wings. We had uh, the Billy Joel, Stevie Wonder album, Inner Visions, The Who. Yeah. Uh, but this one, I think, is probably the most iconic. It's not my favourite, but it's probably the most iconic. And the interesting thing is you have found a wonderful version of this disc, a picture disc, at a car boot sale in yeah. the UK. <laughs> Tell me that story. That's amazing. Yeah, I mean, it's the, the album, I think we have to say what it is. I yeah. think everyone will know this. It's Dark Side of the Moon by Pink Floyd. Right. And I think it's iconic, not just for the album itself, but the cover, everything it represents and we'll go into the detail of it through this. But, um, yeah, du- during my um, my little summer vacation, I mm-hmm. went back to the UK to see my dad. And my dad loves a car boot fair. Does he? So <laughs> Yeah. So I was dragged to about five of them a week. All right. But, um, luckily, the weather wasn't too bad. And then you go through lots and lots of stuff. And yeah. it's like, yeah. oh, that's not very good. That's very good. And then you find these little nuggets. And I'm like, oh, I know that cover. Yeah. And then I looked at it. And it was a picture disc of Dark Side of the Moon. Wow. And next to nothing. So that was a, that was a highlight of the holiday. It's a gem, really. And we'll put that up on our social media as well. Our agency will post that picture of this uh, album, The Dark Side of the Moon. I should keep that very close. I am, yeah. That, my I, eyes are on it. I know Andy's looking at it. I know it, Andy's like. got his eye on it. Andy, first time that you heard Dark Side of the Moon, um, when and what was, what was your impression of it? Because it came out in 1973, obviously, yeah, so turning it, 50. It probably would have been uh, about 75 before I first heard it. My brother was older than me. Yeah. Yeah. And I tended to listen to a lot of the music that he listened to. Okay. So he got me into Led Zeppelin, Santana, and Pink Floyd. And actually, Wish You Were Here was the first album I heard, and mm-hmm. that had a huge impact on me. And then Dark Side of the Moon. And, of course, it's just one of the most iconic albums ever, really. Yeah. Uh, it's been in the top 200 uh, for 33 years, can you believe? <laughs> How do you do that? 33 and, years. And they reckon <laughs> one in 12 households have a copy of Pink Floyd's Dark Well, Sun, I'll tell you, my household has got a copy of it, but it's not. doesn't belong to me. It belongs to my son, who uh, oh. has gotten into Pink Floyd, and he's got a copy of Dark Side of the Moon, thanks to uh, Andy over here. Oh, so amazing. let's come up with a few facts and a little bit of background to uh, this album. Yeah, well, it's the officially the fourth largest selling album of all time. 
uh, with the first one being Michael Jackson, uh, Thriller, Back in Black, and then the, the Bodyguard soundtrack. And it sold estimated between 45 and 500 million copies, which is a fair old whack. Yeah. I had a look today. It's over 2 billion streams on Spotify. Um, and it's really interesting that, that your son's listening to it because this is one of the things, and Sandy just said, it's been, it's been in the charts for, I think it's the longest out of anyone for, for how many years was it, Andy? 33 years. 33. Yeah. Consistent. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things, it's jumps genres. You know what I mean? If you think and generations, the, yeah, yeah, but yeah. it still sounds fresh. But um, yeah, been in there for for a long time. It was recorded at Abbey Road over over a period of eighteen months, um, and I think it's similar to what we've said about a lot of the other ones that we've looked at. The sleeve is as iconic as the music, yeah, and and I often wonder whether the music would be as good without the sleeve or vice versa. Yeah. But I think these are both such such high level. But I think it was a really interesting period for them because. The album before was called Metal, and this is where they'd gone into more kind of long-form songs. And they said this is kind of where they found their sound, because there's a very distinctive Pink Floyd sound that they have. Yeah, yeah. And when they was touring Metal before the album came out, this is where they wrote a lot of the album. They wrote it on the road. They wrote it in rehearsals. And this was back in the day where you could do that. You could let the music breathe. You can kind mm. of let mm. it work its own way through. So that's kind of been credited. The tours they were doing before that was credited heavily with the writings of the songs and, and what it became. But really them solidifying their sound because um obviously it was it was sid barrett before yeah. uh, and i'm sure andy will go into uh, he'll know he knows way more than me on all of this and we'll go into the history but i think the move from that and the kind of music it was also the first one where roger waters took over complete writing credits of all of the lyrics so that's where that's, that went down well didn't well, it well <laughs> yeah, yeah as you can imagine um but it but it kind of the, the whole thing it was they used a lot of early technology i think alan parsons who yep. co-produced and engineered it highly credited with using the modern technology of the time but it just sounds timeless as i say that that really makes my heart yeah. smile your son's got it because it jumps those generations yeah now we, we've all kind of chosen um a track in fact we've given andy two tracks because it's his f fave <laughs> band great gig in the sky is what you went for what's what drew you to this tune it's very difficult to pick uh, any particular track because one of the other concepts with this album uh, that roger waters introduced and it was unusual at the time was that the all the album sort of melts into each track so a, tra a song doesn't stop and then another one starts. Right. It very much goes from one track into the next yeah, seamlessly. Yeah. Uh, so really, you sort of listen to the whole album rather than individual tracks. But this one really strikes a chord because it's just such beautiful music. Here it goes. Dark Side of the Moon, the album that we're looking at, Turning 50 and that great gig in the sky.
So there's a clip then from uh, the first track from The Dark Side of the Moon. It turns 50 years of age this year and the great gig in the sky and absolutely soaring vocals on that one, uh, Andy, from some very talented ladies. Yes, uh, in fact, on that one, uh, Claire Torrey uh, was the one doing the vocals and it's one of these pieces of magic that where all this album really came together where everybody contributed yeah. in some magical way. So Claire Torrey was just a session singer and Alan Parsons, that Cal mentioned before, uh, he was engineer, and yeah. it was his idea to bring somebody in to do some vocals. But they didn't have any lyrics, and they asked her to debusk it, and she wasn't quite sure what they really wanted. So she did three or four takes. She came out. She wasn't really sure whether it was uh, any good. They merged three of the takes together to come up with those uh, amazing uh, song and lyrical sort of voices. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, she got paid £30, which is about 150 dirham, <laughs> uh, as a session musician. Uh, but later on, she then got attributed uh, for co-writing that particular song and actually sued Pink Floyd. And in 2004, got an undisclosed amount and she's now credited on the album, which and I think is well-deserved. Probably now retired in the Bahamas. <laughs> yeah, it's just a beautiful yeah. So I mean, the, the, literally, they asked her, we don't have any lyrics, just... Go and ad-lib something, yeah. 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 She listened first time and then just joined in and it just comes straight from the heart. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Beautiful piece of music. Uh, it's, it's incredible. And as Andy says, the vocal on top of it is just so emotive. I mean, it's beautiful writing by, um, by Rick Wright. That, that piano line is just gorgeous and the chords he uses but also Dave Gilmore's slide underneath it. It, it lays this beautiful canvas and what she does on top of it is just unworldly. I mean, you, you talk about like um, Whitney Houston, you know, mm. um, what was the song from the body track? You know, I, I will always I love you. Like, yeah. So that's credited for like the power at the beginning of that. But you listen to this from 1973 and you kind of go, wow. And that's just a session yeah. singer being paid yeah. 30 quid. Unreal. <laughs> <laughs> she got a th they got the 30 quid's worth, didn't they? <laughs> yeah, that day, let me tell you. We are talking all things Dark Side of the Moon, uh, looking at this album from Pink Floyd that turns 50 this year. We got some more tracks from it. And we're also going to discuss as well why Roger Waters is reworking some of these classic songs. And is it really working? You're listening to the UAE's number one talk radio station. This is The Night Shift. On Dubai Eye 103.8. Yeah, welcome back to the show. And we're taking this opportunity as it's turning 50 to uh, take a look at the album The Dark Side of the Moon by Pink Floyd. We also, uh, we just heard, of course, before that great gig in the sky. Probably the most famous tune, or at least the one that I know, would be yeah. Money, which we're going to get to very shortly. But we've been talking about this album cover, which is totally iconic. You've got the picture disc of it as well, Cal. Yeah. Um, let's find out a little bit about this this cover with the prism and all the all the lights coming out of it. Yeah, I think that's one of the things. When you talk about cover art to pretty much everyone, I think this is one of the first images yeah. that comes to everybody's mind. And even without the word Pink Floyd <laughs> in front of it, you just put that there and you know instantly what it is. So simple, but so striking, so powerful. And uh, Andy's got some, some some information on how the band selected it. Um, but I think it was it was designed by um, Hypnosis, which is a British graphic design studio, which was led by a guy called Storm Thorgerson. Okay. I, th I think, did, have I pronounced that right, yeah, Andy? that's right. Mr. <laughs> Thorgerson. <laughs> Been practicing that all day. Uh, but he was, he was known for a lot of his innovative 
covers and i think he worked with led zeppelin and quite a few others yeah um i mean I've, there were some great covers back in the 70s weren't oh. they you know and, and they were really fundamental i think to the success of, of albums were the covers i think there was pretty much as important as what, as what was on the the vinyl yeah very much so because on the 12 inch lps and a lot of the young listeners probably don't know what that is <laughs> um the album covers were very much a piece of artwork and something to cherish yeah and slide the album out give it old dust, put it on the old uh, turntable, and the album cover was very much an integral part, and of course, the thing that's re- recognisable as soon as you go into a, the old record stores. Yeah, and I think I would agree with Kel, this album cover is probably one of the most iconic. It's up there with the Rolling Stones and, you know, um, the, the, the kind of the, the mouth, of the lips of, yeah. the, of the Rolling Stones. That... And it's often the case that it's the simple designs that really work, that, yeah. that's, that strike a chord. Yeah. So... Pink Floyd, as a, a, a group, have always sort of shunned the fame that they have. They, they were really wanted to concentrate on the music, and they didn't want their faces on the album covers, so most of their album covers they don't appear on, and this was very much one of those. And they uh, briefed Storm that they wanted... They didn't really want a photographic-type album cover. Okay. They wanted something more graphic, and they came up with some ideas this particular idea came from egyptology uh they'd spotted a a picture uh storm had of uh, a prism sat on uh, a sheet of music with a light catching it so he came up with a design for that and they took it into the band and all four of the band just very quickly went yep that's it (laughs) and they got on recording the the album yeah (laughs) I can imagine uh, democratic votes weren't that um, easy to come by in Pink Floyd because I'm, I just want to touch very shortly on the political kind of, you know, infighting, let's say, in the band because there's been a f- few the rivalries, discourse, you know, yeah. great talents, but rivalries in this band. Yeah, and I think uh, as often is the case in uh, sort of artistic differences, shall we say. Uh, Sid, uh, you mentioned Sid Barrett earlier on, who, of course, descended into madness uh, and had to leave the band. Yeah, uh, and he was very much a driving force for the early stuff. Uh, very uh, English romantic, whimsical sort of lyrics, and really they'd sort of lost their way a little bit. And um, Roger Waters actually doing the lyrics and uh, metal that came before this, and then onto Dark Side of the Moon was really a pinnacle of their uh, live music coming together and then finding their new voice, which actually was a relief to all the band. And it was a relief that Roger Waters took the helm in terms Mm, of the lyrics so that they could realise they could carry on without the strong character of Sid Barrett. Yeah. Let's get another piece of music in. This is, this is my choice, because um, it's one of the ones that I really know with the till at the start of it and uh, a tune called Money.
So with uh, the tills going off in the background, that's uh, my choice from this album, Money. Um, I'm trying to work out the time signature on that. I, I, I wouldn't eight. fancy playing yeah. it. Um, it can't be easy to play that in that time yeah. signature. Um, uh, yeah, well, what's interesting, is, uh, yeah, it, it's got two time signatures. The main is 7 8. Top. One, yeah. two, but the guitar solo in the middle it moves to 4-4 four, four, and then it moves out to 7-8 again it's very unusual to, to be able to merge that but you don't you you just you just have a feeling that it, it sounds normal but there's something a bit tilted with it yeah, and yeah. I think where it's got that, that kind of loop of the, the cash machine at the beginning that gives it that added tilted feel but it doesn't sound like 7-8 is kind of almost like some jazz time you know what I mean yeah. some, some strange take music take 5 yeah yeah well yeah exactly but but it doesn't f- it feels a little wonky but it feels right if that makes sense yes it certainly does make sense uh, would you say that's the, perhaps the most commercial track on, on the yeah, album yeah it was the one they brought out as a single in America and it went it actually didn't reach number one but it was a big hit over there and probably one of their most commercially successful before another brick in the wall now um, we we were talking just last week about the fact that Roger Waters is is coming out and and reworking some of these songs Um, because he can can do and I I know you said to me why doesn't he just leave it alone you know it's a a masterpiece it's a work of art Um, why do you think he's doing it well, you talked before about the fact that there's some discourse. Of course, the band ended up almost splitting up. Uh, Roger Waters left. He then took uh, the rest of the band to court to say he is Pink Floyd, and the judges ruled that, no, the three band members are Pink Floyd. <laughs> As well. So there's always been that angst between them. Uh, he wrote the lyrics, of course, and he's recently come out and said that well the other guys sort of contributed but he really wanted the limelight shone and in so i suspect because of the 50th anniversary and all the attention yeah, that's yeah, getting yeah he thought well i'll do something so he's doing a redux version so he's doing the whole album again it'll come out in october uh, Will you invest in that, um, Andy? I've heard the first two <laughs> tracks on it. and uh... Well, let's, let's have a little clip. I've got a little clip of uh, the reworking of uh, Roger Waters' Money. See what you think. Thank you, Roger, for that. And, uh, and you, you, your comment was it's Leonard Cohen singing um, Money from Dark Side of the Moon. It certainly has that Leonard Cohen or Johnny Couch or something. Sounds like it's at the wrong speed. It sounds like he's speeding up. Can't somebody have a word with him and, and tell him the original was fantastic? It's like, it's like the, you know, really good films and that, isn't it? If you make an amazing film, then just leave it alone. Yeah, Don't do a remake. Don't do it, Roger. So he's, he's, gonna, he's having a go at the whole album. The whole album. Yeah. He's, he's doing Dark Side of the Moon again. Right. We will come back and uh, look at the original Dark Side of the Moon that turns 50 this year. This is The Night Shift with Mark Lloyd. On Dubai Eye 103.8, the UAE's number one talk radio station. Yeah, we're looking at the uh, album The Dark Side of the Moon. Luckily, it's the original and not the remake. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Roger. And, um, yeah, it's it's got a few urban myths floating about here with connections to The Wizard of Oz, The Beatles and Monty Python's 
uh, flying circus. Yeah, yeah. These, um, I mean, where some of these come from, you think, how much time have people got on their hands? <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah, this one, uh, The Wizard of Oz, apparently, if you start The Wizard of Oz, when you start Dark Side of the Moon, it's perfectly in sync. So it's almost <laughs> like if you turn the volume down on The Wizard of Oz, yeah. particular parts, and there's one particular bit, what was here? So when they're synced up, um, the line balanced on the highest wave when uh, plays when Dorothy nearly loses her balance walking along a fence. So there's this urban myth that there's certain words it syncs up perfectly to the action that's happening in Wizard of Oz. Now, apparently in the States, somebody's done this and synced it yeah, up. Yeah. But yeah, that's, that's, that's one of the urban myths. That's a little myths. strange, isn't it? Eh? It is. But I've heard, have you heard that before, Andy? Yes, I have, yeah. 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 There's actually people get together in cinemas yeah. and they... Did actually they? pay homage <laughs> to it. Really? They put the album on and they put the movie on. Yeah. Oh, some strange ones around. Now, um, what, what about the Beatles connection? Yeah, this is, this is a really interesting one. So at the, at the end of Eclipse, which is the last song, as it fades out, if you listen, if you massively whack the volume up, you can hear, um, what, was, what was the Hard Beatles? Day's Night. Hard Day's Night. But it was recorded by like a German orchestra band, not not the Beatles version. Okay. Because apparently th there was one of two. In fact, you'll be able to clarify this, Andy. I've I've heard two things on this. One was it happened to be playing in the background when they was doing some mixing. Another one they'd reused tapes, and it was the end of a particular tape. Yeah, I I, I believe that was the, the tape one. The tape one, yeah. That yeah. it sort of bled through from the oh really the reused yeah. tape. And the other interesting one was when Roger Waters was doing a lot of the interviews, because you know you've got those really interesting little sound bites from different characters. Yeah. He interviewed Paul McCartney, because it was at Abbey Road, he happened to be there. He was the only one that didn't go on, because Roger Waters said, when Paul McCartney said his bit, he was doing it almost like he was performing, saying da-da-da-da, and it just didn't suit, and he didn't want that at all. So Paul McCartney didn't make the album, but the Beatles kind of German cover band did. <laughs> <laughs> now, let's get to your piece of music that you chose, um, uh, Cal. You went for Breathe. What what, what was yeah. uh, uh, the story behind this? It, it's gorgeous. And I have to echo what Andy said earlier on as well. It's difficult to pick one because they all fall into one another so beautifully. And I think once you've listened to it two or three times, you, you kind of know what's coming next but you feel what's coming next that's one of the real special things about this album but this this is kind of the first song song on the album um and it's 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 reputedly about an older man speaking with a baby saying to breathe kind of very kind of simple terms there is this underline as andy said earlier on the underline kind of sid barrett madness kind of thing mm, that, that mm. goes through the darker side of the lyrics but for me musically i think it's just simply gorgeous um Rit writes chords um, inspired a lot by Miles Davis, so they're quite oh. jazzy chords. He was really into kind of um, uh, kind of blue at the time, so those kind of chord progressions like Round Midnight stuff like that. That's kind of worked the way into what he was doing when he was writing this. And then it's just Dave Gilmore's tone is just so sublime and beautiful. And again, there's there's so many textures, but there's so much space that allows you to get drawn in. Just simply a beautiful, beautiful piece of music. And there it is, coming <laughs> There it goes, there was the end of it. <laughs> yeah, that was a rather a loud breath, wasn't it? This is Breathe from Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon.
Something all breathe from uh, this album, Dark Side of the Moon, turning 50. I mean, uh, you mentioned kind of jazzy influences. In some of the songs, we get saxophone in there as well. Um, so, yeah. you know, I think a lot of that comes from the keyboard player. Yes, Rick, uh, Rick Wright, Wright. Uh, used quite a lot of chords that was influenced by a lot of the jazz music he'd listened to. And then Dick Parry, who plays on a couple of the tracks... Uh, on the saxophone yeah uh, very much a, a jazz influence yeah and uh, Cal just brought up there well well that was playing that vocally we don't often speak too much about Pink Floyd and, and the vocals but those two voices blended so well together yeah I think I, it's, it's really interesting um, speak of Claire Torrey and Great Gig in the Sky because that's a real highlight moment but nobody really speaks much about how Walters and Gilmore's voices blend so beautifully but also match the, the style of the music and I think this also goes again to Andy's point earlier on it's almost like deliberately faceless while they're not on the cover yeah. and they don't, they're not photographed it's like their voices are, are really really subtle but when you listen to it you kind of go that tone is just gorgeous and Gilmore's kind of been the lead singer pretty much all the way through but again it, he's, he's delivery is so perfectly understated, but it just amplifies it so much. Really, really gorgeous tone, but it, they very rarely get spoken about as vocalists. Mm. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I would say yeah. that. Uh, in time that we're going to listen to shortly, uh, Richard Wright uh, sings the uh, chorus, and his voice and Gilmore's voice just complement each other beautifully i think yeah would you like to see them get back together and put all these differences and re-recordings of dark side of the moon to one side andy uh, as long as they play the old stuff and not the new version <laughs> <laughs> i i think actually it's a, it's benefited uh, as, as much as we'd like to see them back together i think what we've ended up with is two streams of music roger waters went off and did quite a lot of pink floyd stuff himself and wrote new albums, uh, Amused to yeah, Death, yeah. I think is a work of genius. Yeah. So uh, although they're not together anymore, I think we've ended up with sort of two bites of the cherry. So I, I quite like that. And you've also got um, Source Full of Secrets, which ah, is yes. Nick Mason's band, yes. which is really interesting. So he's he's been touring the last couple of years. He set up a band called Source Full of Secrets, which yeah. was a previous Pink Floyd album before this one. And interestingly in the band... You have Nick Mason, drummer. You have Guy Pratt, the bass player, who replaced Roger Waters. So he's he yeah, was yeah. Pink Floyd's bass player forever. And on guitar, Gary Kemp of Spandau Ballet. Yeah, <laughs> really? really? Incredible <laughs> guitar player and musician. <laughs> Gary Kemp? Gary Kemp, yeah, yeah, yeah I've got yeah, my yeah. photograph taken with him, and I never realised yeah. uh, that he was uh, such oh, an accomplished really, he player. He really is. Yeah, they, they have a fabulous podcast called um, Rock on Tours, and his music knowledge... Uh, he's unreal and he, as a guitar player he really knows his stuff so he perfect and to play that kind of music you it's not easy to play because no, no, they're very no. complex complex musical compositions 
But um, yeah, when you see that, you can't think that's true. Look at the stick tree in the middle of a Pink Floyd set. That's a bit weird. <laughs> now, uh, we've just got time to slip in a tune called Time. Um, what, what made you go for this one, Andy? Uh, again, really, uh, Roger Waters uh, wanted to create a suite of music that uh, was all about the pressures of life and uh, what causes people anxiety, etc. Yeah. And um, one of the things I think we all suffer from is uh, either regret or time passes by and you don't realise it. So the, the lyrics on this, I think, are poetry. And the, again, the, the, the uh, counterpoint between the two vocalists, I think, works really well. And, of course, at the beginning of this, we've got all the clocks, which we mentioned Alan Parsons before, uh, who had uh, a good pedigree. He'd actually worked on two of the Beatles albums, Let It Be and Abbey Road, as an engineer, assistant engineer. And it was his idea to use the clocks. It was actually recorded originally to demonstrate quadraphonic, and then they decided to use it on the album. I think I might have cut cut the clocks. (laughs) Because I thought, I've got, you know, a few minutes of clocks going out. Uh, so anyway, here it is, Time from Pink Floyd. So there's the song Time then, once again, Dark Side of the Moon turning 25. Um, I know you've certainly seen Roger Waters. Have you seen Pink Floyd live? Well, I never actually got to see the whole band, but in 2006 I saw Gilmore and Richard Wright when he brought out On an Island uh, album. And the same year I saw Nick Mason, the drummer, with Roger Waters at okay. Hyde Park doing Dark Side of the Moon. So I always say I saw Pink and Floyd, <laughs> just not together. <laughs> On separate occasions. So kind of wrapping up uh, at, at that album, um, is it still going to be around in another 50 years, do you think, uh, Cal? 100%. And as I mentioned earlier, the fact that your son's got the copy, mm. that just shows it goes from generation to generation it's to generation. It's all down to him. I, don't, I didn't want any as- Pink Floyd in my house. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's timeless. I think the fact that they're they're a faceless band makes you concentrate on the music because it's not over the top with production and everything else. It's just so so layered, and it's gone through every single genre of music. You know, you had punk, which was anti all kinds of music. Yeah, it still stayed in the charts. You had the eighties. This was like the antithesis. You know, like the complete antidote to the eighties. It still stayed through all of that. And every time you hear it, you hear something different. 
you know, and it's completely timeless. Yeah, and I think there's has there been a re-release of it um, this year, and a 50th anniversary version. Yes, yeah, the, they've done a remastered version of it, so yeah. it's exactly the same music, same tracks. Uh, just a, a remastering. They've done it on several occasions. They did it on the 30th um, yeah. year, and they brought out a, a SACD version of it, which was like a multi-speaker, uh, so like 5.1 surround sound. Mm-hmm. Um, so this one's a remastered version, crisper, brighter, using newer technology, but ostensibly the same songs. Right. Well, gentlemen, it's been absolutely brilliant talking music with both of you, Kel and uh, Andy. Um, are you going to disappear with that picture disc? I tried to, <laughs> trying to nick I tried it. To, I tried to steal it before. Get your hands off it. <laughs> he keeps trying. Get, get your hands off. Guys, thanks so much for being with us on the show. Thank you. to a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. To enjoy lots more from Dubai Eye in the United Arab Emirates, just go to DubaiEye1038.com or find them wherever you normally get your podcasts.